the Denver Nuggets slowly but surely continuing to climb to the top of the West. But Nikola Jokic has one of the most fascinating and most confusing games for a lot of non-Jokic consistent watchers. What does it mean when he goes and takes three shots, but yet they still seem to dominate the game? And y'all, the Denver Nuggets, another sleeper waiting in the wings. How does the Denver Nuggets organization continue to find these players? And what might this player mean for not just the Denver Nuggets right now, but going forward? We're going to talk about all that and more here at Locked On Nuggets. You are Locked On Nuggets, your daily Denver Nuggets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, y'all? Welcome back to Locked On Nuggets. This is your host, Swiper. This is your team every day. We want to say thank you so much for tuning in with us every single day. Myself, Adam, Matt Moore, love making content for y'all. Y'all know what time it is, man. Look, make sure you're liking, sharing, and subscribing. We're continuing to build up the Locked On Nuggets network, getting bigger and bigger every day, y'all, and especially in the middle of maybe another championship run, y'all. So, y'all, the Denver Nuggets are slowly but surely continuing to make their increase up the Western Conference. Now, here's the great part about what's going on. The Denver Nuggets, they've won, y'all, 12 of their last 15 games. And if you go back, they lost to the Oklahoma City Thunder by one, closed with Peyton Washington and Christian Brown, the kind of early iterations of trying this new closing lineup together. And then they end up losing another game versus the Thunder on the second half of back-to-back. And then they lose to the Orlando Magic, missing seven of their rotation players at home in Denver on the second night of a back-to-back. Now, there's a lot of stipulations behind those things. Now, again, they definitely have had the basketball luck on their side in some of these victories. But in their losses, if you look at them, they are actually explainable given where the schedule was. So all together, for the Denver Nuggets to go 12-3 and in their last 15, yo, tap in. That's a segment two question, by the way. I can't wait to get to that. (laughs) Y'all, this is one of the best times of the year. And one of the reasons is because the Nuggets were in the middle of a new stretch of games in January. The Nuggets have been a dominant team. The Western Conference is kind of rounding out. And what's interesting is my friend Ryan Blackburn, uh, uh, pickaxe and roll, Maha Sports, what he said was the Nuggets have basically played half of their games while playing a back-to-back. They played nine back-to-backs so far this year. That's 18 games where they were either on the front or on the other side of a back-to-back. And yet they still have had a very good record so far this year, sitting at 26 and 12. The Denver Nuggets are currently a half game out of first place right now, just a half game out of first place. And they're currently sitting at the third seed. And the reason they're at the third seed is because the Thunder have the tiebreaker over the Nuggets, but the Thunder have also played less games than the Nuggets, three less games. So the Nuggets are kind of cruising. The Wolves also have three less games than the Denver Nuggets. The Clippers are sitting at two and a half games behind the first seed at four seed. And then you have three teams locked in four games back of the first seed with the Kings at five, Mavericks at six, and then the Pelicans 
at seven. And then you drop down even further, eight through nine. You have the Suns are seven games back at first, the Rockets, who are also seven games back at first, and then you have the Lakers, who are also eight games back at first. And then immediately after, the Jazz and the Warriors are sitting there eight and a half games outside of first. So this has been a really interesting part of the schedule because the Nuggets have played the most games in the NBA. They have played the most back-to-backs in the NBA. And over the course of the schedule, they've actually played, it's rounded out a little bit with the home games, but they had played a lot of away games as well so far this year. So all that stuff put together, the Nuggets are in a really good place. Jamal Murray is playing, Michael Porter Jr., Lord willing, has played every single game so far this year. Jokic just missed one game where he played the second, it was the second night of a back-to-back that they played versus the Clippers, Reggie Jackson, DeAndre Jordan game. And everybody has kind of really been buying in to their identity and what they're supposed to be and who they are. And the great thing about where the Nuggets are situated is that they're doing this in a lot of different ways. Now, you had the last game that they just played versus the Detroit Pistons. Kate Cunningham gets hurt in the second quarter. He's going to be out for a little bit. The Nuggets are still able to get the win. They end up winning 131-114. They had the game versus the Magic. Like I said, the second game of back-to-back. They beat the Golden State Warriors down 18 in the fourth quarter. Rally to get back into the game. Jokic puts the game away. Got an alley-oop to AG. A Jokic turnaround in mid-range. And then you get a Jokic three-point game winner, 40-foot shot. Before that, they destroy the Charlotte Hornets. They had the game versus OKC, again, second night of a back-to-back after the Grizzlies game, which they lose 119-93. to They got the Grizzlies game. They won uh, 142-105. They beat the Warriors on Christmas 120-114. They beat the Hornets in Charlotte. They beat the Nets. They beat the Raptors. And, again, at home, they beat the Mavericks in another single-digit scoring game for Nikola Jokic. So, again, all that stuff put together, the Nuggets have really found a myriad of ways to secure victories despite having a very condensed schedule, despite the back-to-backs, and despite the uh, lack of rest that they have had going into a lot of these games. Now, they play the Utah Jazz tomorrow. We're going to get into that in the third segment a little bit. Not a lot because we got more to talk about tomorrow with Adam and Matt. But, y'all, there's a lot to tap into for the next few games. The Nuggets are in, in prime position to keep making a push towards the top of the West and to maybe a stranglehold on it as well. They have coming up the Jazz, the Pelicans, and Patriots rest of this week. The Jazz, very formidable team. They just beat the Milwaukee Bucks last night by putting up a crazy amount of points yesterday versus the Bucks. They didn't play the Pelicans. The Pelicans, they've been winning a lot. Matter of fact, the Pelicans at one point in time, I think they were 10-3 and three or so in the last 13 games, similar to the Denver Nuggets. And the Pelicans are sitting at the seventh seed. Uh, They're 22 and 15 on the season as well. That's going to be really, really, really intense game. That's going to be another late evening game, ESPN game in Denver. And then you've got the Indiana Pacers, Bruce Browns returning to get his ring. That's going to be on Sunday midday. So this is going to be a really interesting stretch of games because the Nuggets are going to be able to create some opportunities for themselves should they choose to do so. But here's one of the things I want to tap into. Nikola Jokic had a four-point game where he took three shots, and a lot of discussion has kind of centered around Joker over that. Now, one of the great pools, Alice Gwynn, uh, actually in January of last year, had pulled a, found a Reddit interview where 
uh, Jokic did an interview in Serbian and then it got translated to English. And so I then took a part of that, the translation, I posted it to Twitter last January 5th of 2023. Well, here we are in January 9th of 2024. And there's a similar conversation around Joker happening because of the four-point game, the eight-point game versus the Mavs, the single-digit scoring game versus the Charlotte Hornets. Joker, in that interview, when he was talking about why sometimes he'll choose to score, score 40 or score four points, this is literally what he said. I think that the first thing, I think that's the first thing showing that is the number of shots I take in a game. Realistically, it's a thing in NBA. The best players take the most shots. Sometimes it happens that I have the least on my team. I always take what the game gives me. Sometimes I make 40 points and over, and sometimes I don't make 10. Maybe it's a way to compete with myself or to show that making shots is not the most important thing, that you can influence the game in other ways. I remember a game against Utah where I had like four points and 15 assists, which we won by 20. So I think you can influence the game where you don't have to be the best scorer in your team. Maybe it will be motivation for some kids that don't have the talent to score, but they can do other things on the court. Maybe it was a revolt when I was younger. That's the great thing about Joker. He offers so much perspective and insight into what makes him tick, how he thinks, how he processes through the game. And what I want to also dispel is it's not as if there's something wrong if you're a high-volume scorer and you see the Charlotte Hornets or the Pistons or whoever, the Spurs, and you decide those games I want to dominate and I'm going to put up a lot of points in these games because that's the way that best helps my team win. There's nothing wrong with that. But on the other side of this, there is something to be said about the fact that Joker doesn't look at these opportunities versus D teams to inflate his own stats. Rather, he looks at it as an opportunity to get his team going. Like you saw in this Charlotte's game that he chose not to score in the first half. And you saw versus the Pistons that he was trying not to score in the first half as well. But the game kind of slowed down a little bit to where he had to put up a shot in the first half. Now, here's the great thing about what's happening with Denver. Denver is figuring it out, meaning they're figuring out their basketball around Joker where they're not having to have an extremely high shot profile from him. Michael Porter Jr., Jamal Murray, Aaron Gordon, Peyton Watson, Christian Brown, you know, uh, Justin Holiday at times, KCP. They're all kind of getting more opportunities to execute their scoring because of the fact that Joker is seemingly able to take a step back as a high usage player and to give the reins to Jamal Murray so he can continue to figure out how to navigate defenses and how to play and allowing him to be himself. Michael Porter Jr., force-feeding Michael Porter Jr. the last game versus Detroit because they didn't give him a lot of looks down the stretch of that Magic game. We had 22 points going into the fourth quarter. There are a lot of ways that the Nuggets are kind of letting things happen where he doesn't have to be the central figure. Even in the playoff last year, he said that I'm not always our best player. Joker is trying to play game the game the right way, and I think that the Nuggets have fully bought into that. They just believe that if they execute at the highest level together, there's nothing that can stop them from being as good and as powerful as they need to be. But, y'all, in segment two, man, we got to have a conversation. Uh, the Nuggets have a trap card. If you are a Yu-Gi-Oh fan, this is going to be a great segment for you in particular. The Nuggets have a trap card that they're playing a lot more 
But y'all, as the season goes on, and as we get into the playoffs, I think this could end up being a really important piece for the Denver Nuggets to tap into. Y'all, we'll be right back in segment two here, Locked On Nuggets. So, y'all, I don't know about you, but there's always a lot happening in the world, and there's a lot of things that cause stress. As you know, I have this that I do every day covering the different nuggets, something I want to do more of. But I also have a full-time career in which even today I'm having to split what I'm doing and focus on doing different things. I got projects. I got assignments. I have deadlines that I have to hit. And a lot of this is, especially in the new year, there's things are happening at a higher speed than ever, and it puts so much stress on us. And maybe for you, you're trying to organize a part of your life. You want to organize your career. You're trying to organize your home. You're trying to get things ready to happen well in your family. But if you're thinking about starting or beginning therapy and thinking about getting additional help to process through what you're thinking and feeling, that way you can be the most effective version of yourself, y'all, better help is the place to be. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you got to do is fill out a brief, questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. BetterHelp is a great resource for all of us. Celebrate the progress that you've already made. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked on NBA today and get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash locked on NBA. We'll be right back for segment two. So, y'all. <laughs> oh, boy. I'm so glad to be here with y'all today. I'm so glad to be here with you today. Uh, hey, a shout out to y'all. Appreciate it. <laughs> y'all, look, don't beat them to the punch. Don't don't beat them to the punch. Five, 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 five ish. Y'all, man, if you're a Yu Gi Oh fan, so Yu Gi Oh came out for me when I was like, I must have been like 10 or 11 or something like that. Yu-Gi-Oh! came right after Pokemon, right after Digimon. And it was like that era of cartoons for me that really defined my early childhood. Y'all had Pokemon, Digimon, Yu-Gi-Oh! And then Dragon Ball Z. And then I had Tenchi in Tokyo, Tenchi Muyo, Tenchi Universe. All this stuff happened at once. And Yu-Gi-Oh! was one of my favorite shows because there were always these scenarios that he would get into where you knew that when you need it, especially in the first two seasons, when you need it to secure a victory in a high-level situation, boom! You put that five stack together, you get all five parts, and you can lay the Exodia card down. And that would get you a guaranteed victory for the most part in the first two seasons. And y'all, the Denver Nuggets, man, Calvin Booth, Tim Connolly started it. Calvin Booth, basically, he went in he went into the draft. He went into the draft. He saw Christian Brown. He saw Julian Strotham. He saw Hunter Tyson, Jalen Pickett, the Denver Nuggets. They went and acquired KCP. They went and acquired Bruce Brown. They got all these players and put them all in the deck and said, all right, we got one final piece that we got to get. And then they went and got at number 30 overall pick in the 2020 to NBA draft, Peyton Watson, and Exodia was four. 
Peyton Watson is the spearhead of the Exodia lineup because he and what he is able to do have literally transformed the possibilities for how high and how good the Denver Nuggets can be. Y'all, I don't know if you know this. I don't know if you know this. Again, funny thing is, right, I didn't make no sense to me. I feel like he should have used it more. I feel like he should have used it more. But here's the thing. Peyton Watson, since December 1st, averaging 10 points a game, three rebounds a game, one assist per game. He's also averaging 0.5 steals, 0.7 blocks. But did you know that Peyton Watson is shooting 50% from the field since December 1st, shooting 39% from three since December 1st, and he's shooting 80% from the free throw line since December 1st. And again, Peyton Watson is not their starter. He's not KCP. He's not Aaron Gordon. He's not one of their high, high, high-level championship role players. That's them. Peyton Watson, when he was drafted, y'all, y'all got to remember, Richard Jefferson, who is right about a lot of things, but what he wasn't right about, he even said, I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. When he said about Peyton Watson, I don't know if I'm looking to add to a championship core that I want to draft a guy that averaged three points a game in college. Y'all, Peyton Watson was a five-star coming out of high school. He went to UCLA. They had an older team with an older system that had been in place, and they did not feel that utilizing Peyton Watson as the number one lead option on that roster would best get them immediate success. So they did it. And then he came out in the draft. Paul George spoke highly of him. Kevin Durant spoke highly of him. The Denver Nuggets at 30 saw a dude average the least amount of points per game for a first-round draft pick basically ever. Saw a six foot seven, six foot eight wing with over a seven foot wingspan, looked at him and said, Huh, Jaden McDaniels, Herb Jones, that gives me a similar feeling. They looked at him in a draft, saw his skill set, saw his athleticism, but most importantly, as I've told you before, Calvin Booth noted it's his IQ, his IQ, the way he thinks through the game, the way he processes the game, one of the smartest players he's ever been around. So they get this. Super freak athlete with incredible intangibles. And then that buys in. And that's the most important thing. Who buys in. In his second year, he could be anywhere else getting more time. And he might be even further along in terms of his scoring opportunity, his volume as a scorer, his volume as an offensive player. But he settled into a system that was already built, that already had a championship identity, and that has a very young nucleus, 28 Joker, 26 Murray. And then you got Michael Porter at 25. You got Aaron Gordon at 28. Very young core. And then with KCP at 30. And then Peyton Watson comes into that. And all of a sudden, Peyton Watson has become one of the most important players on the Denver Nuggets team. And y'all, catch this. If you did a redraft of the 2022 NBA draft, I can make an argument. Peyton Watson is almost a top 10 player in the redraft. Because people look at him. And when he comes out into that court, they know he is an immediate, immediate player that turns your water off on the defensive end because he is fantastic as an off-ball help defender, an off-ball shot blocker. He, among all wings, is basically leading the NBA on a per-36 possession basis in shot blocks, shot block at the rim. And on top of that, he's tremendous on ball. He's very smart, and he fits in so well with what the Denver Nuggets are trying to do offensively and defensively. Y'all, the fact of the matter is Michael Malone has trusted him so much 
We are versus the OKC Thunder, versus the Brooklyn Nets, versus the Golden State Warriors. Peyton Watson is closing games. Versus Memphis, he gets a start. Memphis says, I dare you. I dare you to shoot wide open threes. What does Peyton Watson do? Peyton Watson comes into the game. He goes 0-2 on his first two three-point attempts, and then he goes 4-8 the rest of the game. And he even said it after the game. I feel like they were disrespecting my shot. The thing about Peyton is Peyton not only takes their ceiling this season and raises it, but for the foreseeable future for the Denver Nuggets, he literally opens up the potential opportunities the Nuggets have. Because having a six foot seven athletic, smart wing who can play for KCP, he can play for Michael Porter, he can play for Aaron Gordon. And the only position I don't really fully feel him comfortable at yet, yet uh, in terms of having to play that position a lot is the power forward position. But that's just because he's still developing. He's still filling out. He's still getting bigger. But as Peyton Watson gets older, y'all, just imagine Peyton, Christian, Mike, Aaron Gordon. Those are your four wings. Those are your four wings, a six foot 10 porter, a six foot eight, 230 pound AG, a six foot seven, 218 pound Peyton Watson, and then a six, six, two in Christian Brown, who's one of the best athletes in the league as well. And then on top of that, say Braxton Key or whoever comes along after that, whatever player they need to make fit in that system. I'm telling y'all, 19 game sample size, shooting 50, 39, 80. And he's still figuring out how he's supposed to be playing at the NBA level. Again, Exodia is the ultimate trump card. Secures the victory for you. And Peyton Watson, I think, is going to be the Denver Nuggets Exodia. I think because the way that he's developing, and I said this already on Twitter, and I, I still think that there's time to go. That's why I said up until this point, I think by the time April comes around when the playoffs hit here, I think Peyton Watson will be the sixth best player on the team. And Reddy Jackson has played well at times this year. Christian Brown helped them win a championship last year. Peyton Watson is already angling to be the Denver Nuggets' sixth best player as a second-year player who gives them more defensive versatility than any player they've had come off their bench maybe since Michael Porter did in his rookie season in the 2019 season. So I'm telling y'all, man, just see how – let's just watch and see how the Nuggets continue to, to make that work and the Nuggets continue to fit that lineup construction together. Could him and Jokic, it's just it's nightmares. Him and Porter can be nightmares. Because especially if he's going to space the floor, well, the thing is, if he becomes a better natural shooter than AG, well, okay, well, and then he also hitting 38% from three, well, Michael Porter, like he's, he's obviously a better defender than Mike. But if he can give you enough as a spot-up shooter and as a cutter, like and even in transition, y'all, he is literally like a dynamite transition. So I'll end it there, y'all. But I'm, I'm really excited for him, really happy for him, really excited to see how things continue to go for him. Y'all, segment three, we're talking about some of the Nuggets narratives surrounding the team and what we can hope for over the next three games. We'll be right back here at Locked On Nuggets. So, y'all. The NFL regular season has wrapped up. We are fully into playoff mode now. And the NBA season is in full swing. We're almost at game 40. Y'all, right now, man, get 150 bucks in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is to you. 
big different ways to bet, like live, same-game parlays, find bets in the new Explore tab, make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, the best way to find popular parlays and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup. We'll be right back here. Locked on Nuggets. Y'all, we are back for segment three, five segment here at Locked on Nuggets with your host, Swiper. Y'all, uh, the Denver Nuggets, man, they are in prime position. Prime position to continue to move up in the Western Conference. And one of the things that I'm noticing, y'all, because I have a lot of friends that obviously talk NBA and a lot of people I know in the media game. I think a lot of people have questions about basically every team in the Western Conference but the Nuggets. Every team. And they have questions about the Timberwolves' half-court offense because when they get into a half-court setting, do they have enough pull-up shooting? Do they have enough shot-making? And can they create enough advantages offensively to utilize either Rudy as a rim roller, Anthony Edwards as a spot-up shooter, Mike Conley as a pick-and-roll navigator, or Jaden McDaniels as a shooter, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Kyle Anderson, whatever. OKC. OKC is very good, but are they really ready to take that step? Can you see Chet Holgrim and SGA? Are they ready to take on a defending champion or take on one of the players that have been around forever, Steph or LeBron or Durant or whoever, even if they're better as a team, are they ready to take them down in the playoff setting? John Morant, unfortunately, y'all, is out for the rest of the year with a shoulder injury. Hope he gets back better than ever next year. And then on top of that, they look at the Clippers. Clippers, James Harden, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George. These teams are really good. And, and I think the Clippers legitimately, when they made the James Harden trade, I said, I think they can beat the Lakers straight up in a playoff series. But people have questions about the Clippers. Does James Harden, is he going to hold up his playmaking and his scoring in a playoff setting? Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, are they going to be healthy when they get to the playoffs? And then you get to the Lakers, y'all. The Lakers aren't even, they're a bottom-tier Western Conference playoff team. They're a fringe playing team right now. LeBron and AD have played almost every game this year, but yet they have a losing record. They don't seem to trust Darvin Ham. The lineups seem to be all over the place. They can't hit shots consistently. Their defense can fall apart at times. So there's questions about everybody. So I think when you put all that together, one of the narratives that I'm seeing exist and kind of coming into fruition now with the Warriors being out of it because, you know, what's going to happen with them? They can't seem to win games down a stretch of games. I think a lot of people are looking at the Denver Nuggets and saying, who really is going to beat them in a seven-game series in the West? Now, I, I actually think that the Clippers, of all the teams, probably give them the best advantage just because I think when you have Harden, you have PG, and you have Kawhi, you've got some elite-level shot makers. I think Ibika Zubak is a good enough passable center. But again, do you trust that them doing what they're doing is going to be able to beat the Nuggets four times out of seven games because the Nuggets are going to execute every single game at a high level. They're going to lock in defensively, and they're huge. They're going to rebound. They're going to get out in transition. And in the half court, they're going to deal with Jokic and Murray. And again, the Clippers don't win that last game unless Jokic goes 9-32 from the field, has basically his worst shooting game of his career. But on the other end of this, with the Lakers, do you expect that the Lakers are going to be able to turn up enough to where they're basically going to be able to take a win the next two of their every three games for the here on out? And then on top of that, their offense figures it out. Austin Reeves and Rui and D'Lo and all these players. The narrative that's developing is that there is no comp to the Nuggets. Now, I just can't buy into that because even though the Suns look terrible right now, they're going to have to figure it out at some point in time or they're going to have to make another trade. 
I don't think their defense gets all that much better because, again, I told people this before the season. Eubanks and Nurkic anchored one of the worst defenses in the league last year. And then the Suns traded away Aiden, got Nurkic and Eubanks and said, oh, this will make us better. And, of course, they're not. They got worse. But they have to be able to figure it out offensively at some point in time. But they're playing such heavy isolation basketball. They'll swing the ball one or two times. And next thing you know, Katie posted up on the wing. Devin Booker posted up near the nail. Bradley Bill, isolation, spot-up shooter. They just haven't figured it out either. But I think if you had to ask me, best teams in the West right now, Nuggets, Clippers, for championship, probably the Thunder. It's not that I think people should not believe in the Wolves. But like I said, do you actually think that in a half-court, slow-down pace, defense is important. But what we've seen since the 21 Bucks, what we've seen since the 22 Warriors, and especially with the 23 Nuggets, if you don't have elite shot-making down the stretch of a game, you are not winning these series. That's just the truth. Anthony Edwards is a really good player, but he's also not a great pull-up shooter. He's just not. And if you're going to play KCP on him, he has to navigate a Jokic screen. Can he do that more times than often? We know Jamal Murray can. We know that Jokic can. And we even seen Porter do it, especially in that first round last year. Then obviously AG is going to be existing near the dunker spot somewhere. So some of this comes down to who do you think, who do you believe come playoff time is going to be able to put it enough together on both ends of the court in half court and, and half court offense, half court defense to be able to press the Nuggets for seven games in a series. I personally think it's the Clippers. I think that the NBA is kind of coming to a place where the runaway favorites right now are the Nuggets and, and the Celtics. But I think in the Eastern Conference, man, I can see the Celtics making it. I can see the Heat making it again. And I can see the Bucks making it again. I can see all those teams getting to that place because they have something I think that makes them special. And the Celtics, whether it's they're shooting three-pointers galore, they got a lot of floor spacers, they got a lot of great players that can dribble kick. And then on top of that, the Heat, they just have the best, they might have the best culture, best coaching, especially in the Eastern Conference as well. They just know what they're doing. They're not going to beat themselves. And then the Bucks, Dame, Giannis, maybe the best pick and roll duo in a regular season setting. And then Giannis, you never know. Like again, in playoff setting, he's going to be a monster too. So y'all, let me know what y'all think in the comment section. Who do you think the threats in the West are? At this point in time, is there anybody that you're concerned about that you think can take the Nuggets out in a seven game series? And now, y'all, they got this three, this three game stretch coming up Jazz, Pelicans, and the Pacers. Do you think the Nuggets can take all three of those games? And how do you feel? Because I'm not going to talk about it today, but Friday, we got rival week coming up. We have a bunch of great teams coming up. It's going to be some really good basketball happening, y'all. So, y'all, make sure y'all like, share, and subscribe, y'all. We're here. We're making content. Shout out to Matt. Shout out to Adam. We're going to be here tomorrow as well. Y'all, y'all know what time it is. I'll see y'all on the other side.